everybody welcome to the series finale podcast the only podcast where three comedians discuss the final episode of a show they've never, never even, even seen. seen seen i'm, I'm jack. jack whoa <laughs> i'm john paul and we're here and we're feeling good and we watched an amazon original program featuring kevin bacon which is kind of a big deal Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been on Showtime show, City Upon a Hill. We talk about Kevin Bacon a lot in yeah. this program. Kevin Bacon's like a, a huge finale. He's a finale guest quite a bit. And his accent work is fantastic, which I'm sure we'll dive into later. But we 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 watched him in a miniseries based on a 2017 memoir called I Love Dick. It is. <laughs> Let's <laughs> isolate that. Let's isolate that. It's an Amazon Prime uh, program, about 25-minute episodes each, only eight episodes. To be honest, I, I watched it with no knowledge. I didn't even know it was based on a book until I Googled it right now. Other than I opened up Amazon Prime to watch the film One Night in Miami, which was fantastic, and I saw the program, I Love Dick, and yeah. I said, we are legally obligated to discuss this show <laughs> on the podcast. So it wasn't even really a choice. And it's not... It's not <laughs> It's not an Amazon program. It's a pogrom, and it's actually Amazon driving out all the Jews from uh, oh California. My <laughs> is, oh my god! Oh my god! I've never heard that term. Is that is that something you learn in Holocaust studies? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's very bad. You know what? That is such a deeply inappropriate joke, but it's <laughs> one of those jokes that requires you to actually have a substantial amount of knowledge to even make that joke. <laughs> You're really so, one of the only people who would ever make that joke because you're one of the few who know enough about it to still joke about it. So that is unique. Pogroms are bad. And um, Bezos could be amassing some sort of thing, you know. I wouldn't put it past Bezos to commit a pogrom. You wouldn't? No, no, not at all. I mean, the kind of wealth. And all it takes is if he just gets one, like, King speech guy in his corner to teach him how to talk to people, pff, it's over. <laughs> But why, who would Bezos, who would he sext if he was killing people? You know what I mean? I feel like that guy's more interested in sexting than killing. His sex were weak sauce compared to some of our favorite sex of all time. I'll tell you one thing, though. They might have been a little more, you know, sensual than some of the dirty talk that was featured in this program. That was nuts. Yeah, this show, I Love Cock, was, um, it did have a little <laughs> bit of sex. It was it kind did, of yeah. sexual. It had it had a sexual. It had sort of like a a, a a cinema verite sort of sexual scene in it. And I I I was like, uh, I was wondering when they were filming it. Like, do you think that like some of the that talk like got them really horny when they were filming it? What was the talk? I don't really remember. He's at one Dude, point Kevin Bacon. He goes like, "Oh, I'm so hard. Do you feel how hard I am?" Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. it was all very exacting and very descriptive. He was like, "Let me see your breasts." 
and then he felt them while standing like three feet away, <laughs> squeezing them. It was like, these are very nice. Dude, to be honest, I think that's... The show is shitty, but the sex talk is realistic. I mean, most people aren't Mark Twain. You know, they're they're sort of just going with exactly what is happening in the moment. Dude, I think that's why it horrified me so much. Because it was like the most <laughs> true to life and the most disconcerting. I was like... <laughs> This is this is so awful. And Jeff Bezos probably has recordings of every time I've ever talked like this because if the the phone's all mic'd up. <laughs> and you only sexed um, Alexa. Yeah, I left Siri for Alexa. I'm thinking of going with a Google Home fridge next. John Paul's stuck with OnStar. <laughs> <laughs> Bezos, uh, he was—is he—is this divorce finalized? Didn't he have like the most costly divorce in like human history or something? Yeah, his wife just gave a ton of money to like fifty HBCUs over Christmas. It was a big story. Yeah, I don't oh, really, really know if it's the most mm-hmm. costly divorce because some divorces end in the murder of the wife. So. Oh. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about the human cost. <laughs> um, hey, you know this might this this divorce could end in a murder. What if his ex-wife like uh, takes out Jeff Bezos? Oh, that's a, that's a good point. Well, maybe she has an insight into the future pogroms, and she's trying to stop him. She's killing baby Hitler, killing baby Bezos. Yeah, what if what if uh, his ex-wife kills him while Jeff Bezos is doing a masculine beauty dance, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's Zach, let's get a broad strokes breakdown of I love Dick. A really broad strokes breakdown from what I can understand is Dick is an artist who's in Marfa, Texas. Marfa, Texas is a famous place that I've heard of as recently as this year. It's like a place out in the desert where people do art and like, I don't know, New York wealthy artists fly to to like pretend they're blue collar ranchers for like three months and come back recharged. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And it appears that Dick became acquainted with a couple that was also down there. And then basically what started off as kind of a menage situation resulted in the way all polyamory does, which is the woman leaves her current husband for the new boyfriend. And then they have to grapple with how that feels now the the end of it made it seem as though did dick and her end up staying together because dick who's played by kevin bacon touches her vagina and she has her period on him which i was a little surprised by because she seems to be in her mid-40s to late i was surprised by that part too and then i was surprised by how poorly he took it oh like he he just left the house which (laughs) i feel like at his age you should be able to move past that unless it's some level of deep symbolism and and Dick had left the city to get away from the gossip, he said. And then he comes to Marfa and he finds out that the problems, he did escape, but they were within his head. And maybe her menstruation represents her ability to procreate. And Dick doesn't want to be part of any creation nor destruction. <laughs> he just wants to exist outside of the cycle of life. Wow. I think it's like that level of a situation. I thought he just didn't like blood. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that's weird. Like it's weird to be that alarmed by that as an yeah. adult. Do you think that maybe uh, the Elton John song from The Lion King Circle of Life is is actually about menstruation? 
Because it's the circle of life, and it moves us all. In Kevin Bacon's case, it moved him from sexual happenings in the bedroom to being disgusted washing his hands in the bathroom. <laughs> I can't even imagine what Ellen John's reaction would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's quite that's quite gross. Well, I was going to roger you, but now I've decided <laughs> against it. He's so um, he is so grossed out by. I I think it might be that he assumed chris was in his age range which we would mean that she doesn't menstruate so when he finds out she does he's like she's too young for me i can't do it (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was kevin bacon well how old do you think kevin bacon is 60 probably i felt like maybe it was more that um he was after seeing her nipple to breast ratio he was so disturbed he was looking for an out and um, he was happy that she bled on him so that he could be like, oh, God, gross. Uh, because he actually just wanted to say that to her nipples. <laughs> Kevin Bacon is 62 years old. Wow. I nailed it. He's like, he looks so good for 62. It's out of control. It's amazing. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But he looks amazing for 62. But also, you know, you know he's not 45. Kevin Bacon's been famous <laughs> since like the 80s. Longer. <laughs> Like, we're recording this on the 35th anniversary of the Challenger explosion. Kevin Bacon, like, might have been in a movie that year. You know what I mean? Like, Uh, like he actually, what got him into acting was that he used to be a, he used to be a, uh, an astronaut tech and then that that you know they fired he his got ass laid off after he fell asleep at the switch <laughs> rest in peace christy mcauliffe that's krista mcauliffe no no i'm talking about christy okay got it lesser known <laughs> i feel like maybe i went a little in on her nipples and um I just want to say they were great breasts. I would never uh, disparage somebody's. Breasts. I thought I thought Chris, that character, the main, basically the main character of the show, her, the one who is infatuated with Dick. I thought she had a very. I thought she had a nice body. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, she was. It was, she was you know. It was what it was. Yeah, and it um, was... and I thought she was also a strong, independent character. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know what? To one thing, to his reaction to period blood is like so over the top. And especially if he's supposed to be some sort of artist, you know, it's like, I don't even think, think... I think his reaction is, is not necessarily over the top. I think it's over the top for a guy like Kevin Bacon, but I guarantee you that there are guys who have had way bigger, like gross out reactions to something like this, you know? But that's why I think it's unreasonable to be grossed out. And if at 61 you haven't experienced this, that's a bizarro life. Then you should be thrilled to be experiencing it, I guess. But uh, (laughs) that's why I feel like it's not about the substance. It's about the idea that she's still – he like wants a menopausal woman. It's like an insult to him almost. You know what I mean? I feel like Kevin Bacon (laughs) reacted the way like – a newlywed groom would react if he found out his wife secretly had like $120,000 in credit card debt. Like he acted like betrayed and like it made him rethink the whole thing. It, it's very strange the way he walked out. And that's why I feel like it's not just about the actual physical substance. It's about something deeper. <laughs> wow, you're kind of like Dr. Melfi-ing him here. I like it. 
Now, now that would be a scene I could get into. Doctor Melfi and the chick, Chris, Chris. McAuliffe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So Krista McAuliffe's going up in the challenger and Dr. Melfi's go eating her pussy. <laughs> and they get so hot and bothered they accidentally hit a hit they hit a lever and it explodes and, and the challenger explodes. Well it's just space isn't ready for lesbian sex. So it, we nobody knew how space would react. <laughs> and it combusts. <laughs> now we uh Chris what about the other guy? I don't even know this guy's name. I don't either. I gotta <laughs> look husband. it up. We'll go by her husband. Chris's husband <laughs> is being cocked pretty publicly, and everybody's sort of making I, fun of him. This is another thing of we don't watch the entire show. Um, so, like, maybe, like, I think it might be that, like, he also has, like, a, a, a fascination, a romantic intrigue with Dick, perhaps. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I think, think it started off as all three of them were involved together. Yeah, this couple has a sexual. Dude, her husband's name Dick. is Silver. <laughs> what a S Y L V E E E. It's Sil. Let's call him Sil. Big Sil. Big. Ooh, <laughs> Silvio Dante from the Bottom Bing Club. <laughs> but this is a Sopranos spinoff. <laughs> Silver is like, he's. He's getting kind of cucked, but then he has a big moment because there's this like other woman. Who, um, I think she's a woman, right? Possibly uh, non-binary. Yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, non-binary character who's like he. She. This person gives off the same vibes as that person whose arm got eaten in Tiger King. <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> that person does identify as a as a male as a man. Oh, okay. But I think that... I the, don't know that the person in this show identifies as a man, but the person in this show is coaching men on how to love themselves, which feels like a space that should be reserved for men. You know? <laughs> it feels like if women should coach women's sports, then men should coach male love, male self-love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I actually like the idea of a woman coaching male love and like male self-love because... If a man was teaching me how to be a more man, I feel like it would end in gay sex almost ten times out of ten. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you feel you feel he wasn't joking. This wasn't a joke show. He feel, you would feel accepted, you know. <laughs> you would feel accepted and loved. And I actually I was a big fan of sort of this ritual and stuff like that. I, if people know me on Facebook, they know that when a guy posts a new profile picture, a lot of times I like to add a cheeky little comment underneath that says, looking hot AF to TBH. And I do this only to men because I think that met, like no one's calling guys hot. And I think I've changed the culture a little bit. You've broken the Overton John window. Paul, you know what? You should get on. I referenced the subreddit for mustaches a few weeks ago because, uh, to me, Henry Cavill is a star in the mustache internet world. <laughs> He's not a star of film, but there is a the, the mustache world is very supportive. When people post photos of them with their mustaches, there are guys who will comment, "This is a very handsome photo. You look so good." <laughs> and then there. <laughs> So you should get in that for some nail self. I gotta, I gotta grow the mustache back. It's gone right now. 
Mustache groups are very supportive. Beard groups can be a little judgmental, a, a bit of a measuring contest, taken oh. out just enough to win. <laughs> Beard but people like a mustache are judgmental. Group is crazy. Mm-hmm. What about what about uh, you, Zach? Are you doing beard right now? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back to the regular short short cropped beard. I mean, Nothing you'll never beard. escape the beard lifestyle until you come out. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, good one. <laughs> um, do you, so I actually this show I did think was shitty, but I did actually I agree with you, John Paul. I like the self love scene where so there's this non-binary character and she's. She's having a party, basically, or she's having what does she call it? An it's event. a ritual, a, a performance, a ritual piece called a, ritual. Yeah, she's. I'm. At, there's a ritual. There's a ritual, and all these people from town show up to this ritual, and all the men are encouraged to do this sort of like almost like a haka, like a New Zealand dance. Yeah. Where they're like they're kind of like chanting, and my favorite part about this is. Now, if you're picturing some non-binary character in an art world creating a ritual for men to self-love, you're thinking artsy dudes who participate. But the men who participate in it in the show are like very all over the place. And I really appreciated that about that. There's like 18-year-old kids all the way to like 78-year-old men. And they're like, they're tough looking. It was kind of cool. I liked that. I, I, don't know. I liked it too. Yeah. I, I like to see men joining up to support men's health. We, you know, it's deaths of despair. The American male life expectancy drops every year, so we should hug each other in public more. That's a good well, point. not now. <laughs> no, we should. That would help. <laughs> Do you think maybe they should have also after the ritual done a, done like maybe like have a tent for prostate exams to check for col- <laughs> to check for for cancer. <laughs> self love, self glove. <laughs> I I agree though. I I love that little um that this sequence and this is what and I say this is a, this is a part of the show that Sill is involved in. It appears that Sill and Chris both became infatuated with Dick. Chris is like over at his house, you know, getting getting it on with them. Except he starts bleeding. Sill is kind of left on the outs, and he's doing yoga. And he is, you know, doing these rituals, maybe trying to, like, find his place in the world again. And he is just another victim of polyamory. It has annihilated his life. He's left in shambles afterwards. And it's got to be outlawed. <laughs> I, did, I did not really think that he was trying yoga. That felt more of, like, a self-suck situation going on. He, <laughs> he had a job interview coming up? <laughs> um I actually th- so there's another scene where uh, Chris is in a hot tub and she she's like hallucinates an abortion and a miscarriage that are hanging out in a hot tub with her. And it, you got to explain that a little bit better. Please, you try actually. <laughs> she, uh, Chris is hanging in a hot tub and she's floating and she's got these two strong men holding her in the water and it's revealed that she is hallucinating what could have been with the babies that she had that never came to term or the fetuses that never came to term. That was a better way of putting it for sure. Um, Cause I mean the way you, the way you, you phrase it, it sounded like there was like literal fetuses floating <laughs> in the water with her. <laughs> and literal like hallucinate. She's not on MDMA. She's doing some kind of mindfulness meditation, mm-hmm. sensory deprivation, she, she Hulk ha- session. Yeah. She has on her, her calm app. 
and all of a sudden her abortion <laughs> from the 50s walks by. <laughs> Um, but I actually had a moment like this that was somewhat similar where, but not exactly, but it was kind of like this. I was in a pool sort of hoping to hear back from some spirits and, um, I had taken a bunch of, yeah, I had taken a bunch of solution or I had taken a bunch of hallucinogens because my parents had died and I was desperate to try and see them again. I got into a hot tub and started to drift away. When I was woken up, there were two people sitting in my hot tub. I noticed right away they were not my parents, and the water was displaced. Sitting across from me was Richard Jewell and James Gandolfini. <laughs> <laughs> I asked them, I asked them what they were doing in my hot tub and why my parents hadn't showed up. James Gandolfini told me he was taking a drippini, and uh, <laughs> and Richard Jewell let me know my parents were in hell. So they aren't allowed to do hallucination appearances. (laughs) I asked why they had uh, been sent. I asked why the two had been sent to me. And they started to talk about how they had heard I had made fun of some. I had made some fat phobic remarks and they wanted to wanted me to take them back. I said, no way that I made fun of everyone. I wouldn't make exceptions for the fat. Richard Jewell said that diabetes cost him his life and he had been and it had been even tougher a tough an even tougher battle than fighting the lying news media. <laughs> James Gandolfini said, Hey, you make fun of me, my people, you're gonna get a boot to the fucking head, alright? I laughed at him and said, Your fat ass couldn't even lift your leg that high. Oh my god. That's when James lunged at me, but Richard grabbed his wrist and pulled him back, saying, "Come on, Gandhi, let me, let him be. He do, he just doesn't get it." Gandalf CDs, Gandalfini said, "I I love you, Richard, Rich Jewel," and started to kiss him. <laughs> they started making out in the hot tub, and they started to rub all over each other. I wanted to leave, but I was hiding a secret. Ever since quarantine, I put on about 20 pounds and had a little gut. I was afraid they would laugh at me, so I stayed. But they were making love so viciously that they emptied the tub because of their weight. Jeez. <laughs> Richard Jewell wiped Gandolfini's cum from his eyes and said, Hey, look, he's fat. And they both started laughing at me. And that's all they did until the shrooms trip. The shroom trip ended eight hours later. Next time, I'll just do kratom. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of my experience. I also had a tub experience with a few men. <laughs> I was in Provincetown, Massachusetts. I had come down for an art opening at Adam and Steve's, a famous Provincetown, Massachusetts bar that had drag nights and occasional art shows. <laughs> I had gone to see a staging of Jeremy Harris's new play, and I was very excited to be with the NYC Literati. I figured I would go down and flirt with a couple big players on the Broadway scene and hopefully get a few auditions for when Corona ends. As we were hanging out at the art opening, and Adam and Steve's was really swinging. However, they decided to serve some very heavy hors d'oeuvres of beef wellington and fried ham and cheese sandwiches. I declined to eat one as I was trying to watch my figure and lower my cholesterol. 
However, when I declined to eat one, a major hedge fund manager assumed that that meant that I was prepping to bottom and invited me back to his hot tub for the evening. <laughs> we were hanging out in his hot tub when he offhandedly mentioned that he was trying to short the EB game stock. I said I needed to go to the bathroom to freshen up, wink, wink. And I walked into the bathroom and took my cell phone from out between my cheeks and tweeted out, buy EB game stock now, rocket ship, rocket ship, rocket ship emoji at Elon Musk. It was a trap. EB Games had gone out of business seven years prior and no longer traded on the stock exchange. As I sent out that tweet, the FBI burst down the doors. Instead of putting uh, putting regulations on hedge funds and major players, the FBI had dis- decided to crack down on insider trading during anonymous hookups through the Grinder app. <laughs> I was arrested and did a year and a half in white collar prison where I met some really cool guys in their 50s and 60s who now invite me out on their yacht every summer on the Long Island Sound. Wow. <laughs> when you were in white-collar prison, did you get those cool knuckle tats? On your left hand, it says F-U-C-K. On the right hand, it says S-E-C. <laughs> <laughs> um, Long Island Sound, that's cool. You can hook, we, can, uh, we can hook up and maybe trade some stock tips. I'm on Long Island. Yeah, we'll do we'll do some trading right uh, in Ronkonkoma. <laughs> I want to get into the trading stuff, but first I want to hear about John Paul and um, what his your experience was like. My hot tub experience in the winter of 2018. I was doing my best to break into the entertainment industry, and I was doing this in the best way I knew how, which was to be an extra or a background acting. Background acting was its own art form, and I knew that if I excelled at background acting by dedicating myself to it as much as possible, I knew I could make that story jump from background acting into foreground acting. One of the keys of background acting is to bring a collapsible chair for long periods of sitting around waiting for an opportunity to stand near a celebrity on a pretend subway car. I was super excited because as a background actor, I had just wrapped filming a major part of the Fast and Furious franchise. And Vin Diesel was super cool and invited all us extras to a big rap party at his house. The Vin Diesel party was wild and out of control, with drugs and open sex happening in nearly every room. I wanted to relax (laughs) and kick it a bit, so I headed back out to the uh, backyard, stripped down nude, and slipped in the hot tub. The only people in the hot tub were me uh, and series finale fan John B. I won't use his full name, a noted former fan of uh, fan of Kratom, and famous price 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 gouging farmer bro Martin Shrekley. I chatted a little bit with John B. and against his wishes to relax, I did some kratom. A few minutes after I did the kratom, my old flame John Cena slipped into the tub. He must nice. have been filming some Fast and the Furious scenes. He was with his uh, longtime girlfriend and fiance, Nikki Bella. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to make John Cena jealous. I wanted him to burn with jealousy and desire for what we used to have. So I cozied up next to Martin Treckley and started furiously making out with him and jerking him off, as John Cena did the same with Nikki Bella. The sexual atmosphere in our hot tub grew more and more intense as our sexual exploits went further and further, and eventually... I started having sex with Martin Shrekley while John Cena started banging Nikki Bella while we stared into each other's eyes. After it was all over, I was coming down and I passed out. And when I came to John B, uh, 
I asked John B. if John Cena had looked disturbed and jealous when he left with Nikki Bella. He said that John B. and Nikki Bella had never entered the hot tub and that it was most likely a hallucination brought on by excessive Kratom use and that I, that I had had <laughs> sex with Martin Shrekley for no reason. I didn't like the idea of Shrekley creating a parading around telling everyone about how we had sex and I thought it could really hurt my position in the background acting industry. So I called an old friend in the Securities and Exchange Commission and had Martin Shrekley thrown in prison on trumped up insider trading charges. We shared a good laugh about it as he watched me in the background of the Tom Cruise Cameron Diaz vehicle night and day set in Boston. <laughs> I hated the movie night and day. I just want to put that out there. That movie Oh really? Sucks. It's not good? It's so bad, John Paul. It's horrible. Because but you know they do they, a scene they do a scene on the on the, the Howard P. Zakem Bridge. Well, it didn't it didn't make it any good. It's no Lenny Mystic Zakem. River. Um Thank you, thank you, Zach. Lenny Zakem. Right, for all our Bean Town listeners, I don't want them correcting us if we botch uh, Lenny's name. Dude, so why it's bad? I'll, I'll give a little breakdown of night and day real quick. They do this thing, and, and right before every action scene, they just have the the female character. She'll pass out, and then she'll wake up in the next scene. And so they just avoid any sort of actual action scenes. Because he'll like just bump her on the head and be like, okay, I'll bring you to the next place. It's very stupid. <laughs> so they don't have to film any of the action. She just passes out for it. Yes, yes, exactly. It's stupid. Damn, uh, do, you think that was like a, do you think that was like a Weinstein creation well, that he's like, he's like, oh, we'll just, we'll just knock him out. We'll just knock him unconscious for the action. Tom it Cruise. could have been a Marty Walsh Union Thug thing. Maybe Marty got the stunt doubles <laughs> together. They were they were asking for too high of a wage, so they couldn't afford the action scenes, <laughs> so they had to skip it. Um, so let's get into it, boys. Uh, what what is this GameStop thing about? How much money have you guys made this week? I have made. Have you invested four hundred dollars as of right now? Yeah. No, you have not. Yeah, I was in three or four days ago. What did you do? You just bought stock? I just bought shares. The people who have really made money bought options 12, 13 months ago. There, this was a very long play. The people knew about this for a long time. Oh, really? What is yeah. it? What, so basically... Let we don't even need to explain it because it, it's been explained by other people who know more than us. <laughs> okay, but let me try and explain it. All right, you try and explain it. <laughs> the hedge fund guys who are like, you know, really rich, they got like millions and billions, and they bought a bunch of GameStop because they want to see GameStop survive because they love video games, I guess. <laughs> And so they were like, let's make sure that this company survives the pandemic. It's struggling. Let's make it through. Um, and then guys on Reddit were like, no, we hate GameStop now. And and they bought more of the stock. <laughs> is, is that kind of close? No, that's not even remotely <laughs> close. But you will get it when Billions does an episode on it. They will most certainly have an episode on this next season. I will certainly not be. They'll watching. have uh, yeah. They'll have they'll have CM Punk come in and he'll uh, 
and, and he'll be like, my game stonks are all messed up. Uh, Axe, what can I do? You know, and then, and then, and then Taylor will be like, Taylor will be like, huh, this is a lot like when you uh, took on Triple H at WrestleMania 26, huh? <laughs> I hope, th- I mean, it's offensive to think that Billions will even have another season. That show sucks. They have two more. They have to finish season five and they have to do season six, which has been renewed. Yuck. Yuck. Such a shitty show. That's the real injustice in the world. It's, um, some would say it's, uh, it's the, the, the dual set of rules that the, the billionaire owner class lays upon us and lays upon the common person for trying to play in their realm. But it's really the fact that billions just did not get canceled at season three. <laughs> That's the true affront to working America <laughs> is that Showtime won't give them a better show. <laughs> Wait, though, um, so oh, go I, ahead. I, I just I have one other question about it. I don't understand how the I don't understand how um, people have made money off of it. I just don't get it at all. Well, uh, the, you, your, your thing was it was some of the bones in your guess were right. Uh, there are there are big hedge funds involved, but they shorted the game stock sock. They basically made huge bets that it would go down. Uh, they did they they put themselves in an incredibly risky position, but and then all these people on the internet. They bought the GameStop stock, so instead of it going down, it went way up. What made the stock go up? It was the fact that they, that people are buying it. So the reason that it's so valuable is because people are just buying it like crazy right now. That's why but the stock not, is going up. It's not actually worth anything, though. No, well, it's but, only... But, but nothing is worth anything, you know? It is, it is worth something today on Thursday night because the assumption is that these hedge funds have calls that need to expire. And this is unclear to me if this is misinformation. This is how it was originally reported. Some people now say this is misinformation, that these calls have to be covered by tomorrow. So the assumption is the stock will skyrocket, in quotes. Nobody knows what the limit is, and nobody knows what that will be, tomorrow. So it makes sense to hold on to it now, and people are willing to pay high prices for it now. At some point, the billionaires will start buying the shares at the highest price it will go. And then someone who it bought in really late will hold it too long and will lose a lot of money, yeah. right? Because it's, it is worth about, it was worth $4. Generously, because of hype, it's worth maybe 18 It's probably worth 10 So let's say uh, the day after people make the most money, which may have already passed, it will be worth about $10. There are people who bought the share at $350 <laughs> yesterday. So if so, let's say, in, in, dude, the funniest, I sent you guys a couple screenshots of this. Do you remember from the Reddit thing on like Monday night? Yeah. This took off really big yesterday, Wednesday night, but most people were in by Tuesday. What's funny about Wall Street Bets is now the, the thing has like quadrupled and I'm not an OG member. In there, people are memeing, like they're being ironic, and they're doing rocket ships, going to go up to 1000 a share, just put my dad's retirement fund in here. <laughs> they're, they're making jokes, right? But then someone will comment like, wait, is this actually serious? I just transferred over my whole paycheck. Should I actually hold it to 1000 And then other people would just say, yeah, your wife's boyfriend will love that. Like, it's all... <laughs> So there's there's a mix of unbelievable levels of analysis of brilliantly smart people who are tr- trading stocks for a living. 
and then there are people making a mockery of the whole thing, and then there are newcomers, of which I am one, just trying to get in and like get free money who cannot <laughs> tell when people are being ironic. So <laughs> those people are in serious danger. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you're not leveraged that much, Zach, right? How much do you leverage over? A couple hundred bucks? I'm not, I'm not leveraged at all. So if you go in the thing, everyone's like, diamond hands, don't be paper hands, hold, 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 hold. That's all they post. But what people really do is when it goes up, you sell a little bit so you cover the thing. So I did a few good things and a few stupid things. I bought two shares. I sold one. So now I've already made a profit on both shares. So I'm just holding this last share no matter what. And it's – who cares? It's yeah. one share. Yeah, yeah. But that's... I took some of that money and I bought some of the other meme stocks like BlackBerry and Nokia. Yeah. And those those are not going to do well. I'll lose money on that. But I didn't uh, put enough in. We'll see. We'll see. I'm glad – I mean it's – it's interesting seeing like everyone. It's fun. It's like a fun. It's a fun thing to see everyone forget about. And I remember watching like a, a a video explaining you know what shorting is on YouTube like a few months ago, and how shorting potentially you can lose unlimited amounts of amounts of money right. doing it. There is <laughs> theoretically you can lose any any amount of money you can lose doing it. There's no what? limit. That's why I'm confused because I've read like things about like hedge funds losing billions of dollars on a GameStop stock. Yeah. I don't I don't understand how that's possible. Well it's because the they it's because they short the stock. So like they borrow the stock and then they sell it. And then they sit there when they borrow the stock they agree that they're gonna sell the stock back. So if the stock goes down in value when they sell the stock back, they get to keep the the other amount. So if they buy it for ten, it drops to five. They sell it back for five. That's five dollars they get to keep. Mm-hmm. But if they buy it for ten, they still have to sell it back, even if it goes up to say four hundred and fifty. So now <laughs> they've bought for ten, sold for. Uh, then they have this this asset that they have to they have to. They have to give. They basically have to uh, sell it back at the market value. So if it goes, if it goes up to that amount, they just have to eat that cost, and it can it can get exponentially out of control, which is what it has, which is what has happened. And pe- it's pretty you, funny. You know, it is funny, but I also think it's what I find funny about it is like people feel like they're sticking it to the big dogs. They're sticking it to the man, but to sure. me. If you're a day trader, you're the man. You yeah, know. that's what a lot of people are saying now. You know, yeah, that discourse is out there. Um, but I mean, they are sticking true. it to the man in that they're bankrupting, they're potentially bankrupting billion-dollar hedge fund firms. I would say that's sticking it to the man. But they're not going to stick it to the man because the GameStop will go down to its actual value. I mean, point. yes. At some point, someone will be left holding the bag, it, it, and it could be. It's it, it is a strong possibility that it might be these billion-dollar hedge fund shorters. So if you, but if you're if, if you were going to short the stock, right, and you were a hedge fund who bought it for ten, why wouldn't you just wait until it goes back down to ten? That's exactly what is happening right now. Yeah. So the hedge funds are waiting, and they are doing things to make retail investors afraid. So that we will sell. So, so like Wall Street bets went down. The stock plummeted two hundred, plummeted like one hundred and fifty dollars because then they started doing an aftermarket. So the markets were closed. So I couldn't sell. 
Mm-hmm. But what they would do is they started selling off tons of shares on a computer algorithm at lower and lower prices and then buying them amongst each other, amongst different hedge funds, so that it looked like the stock was dropping. Then a bunch of people got mad and it reached an even wider audience. Dave Portnoy got involved. So a bunch of people wanted to buy it today on Thursday. Robinhood, which is the easiest one to trade for in targets, people who have no clue what they're doing, which is the target demo of people looking to get involved. They refuse to allow people to buy stocks. You cannot buy GameStop on many trading apps right now. So why now how can the price go up if no one can buy it? Why would game? Why would why would um, Robinhood be part of that? Why would they care? That is a massive scandal, and there is going to be investigations. There's already class action lawsuits. Some people say it's because Melvin Capital, like some of these uh, hedge funds, demanded, you know, that they don't. Robinhood charges no dollars on commission, right? But I have this app, and if it's going up to like a thousand dollars a share, I could say sell this when it's a thousand dollars a share. So Robinhood has that info. They sell that info to hedge funds. That's how they make their money. So they have uh, a relationship with the hedge funds. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, so that's that's so, <laughs> so interesting. Zach, it's, I'm I'm hearing this from you now on the podcast. You're you're holding. You're gonna stay strong. Apes together. Strong. I'm holding. Diamond hands, baby. Diamond hands. <laughs> this is not financial advice. And if you get your financial advice from a small television podcast that routinely records four <laughs> weeks in advance. Um, <laughs> You know, what are you going to do? If I had to guess, based on when we discuss topical things, I think this will age about as well as my thoughts on the capital. So, you know, based on that, what do you, everyone should, what do you think that Dave Ramsey, what does, has Dave Ramsey come out with any thoughts on this? Oh, that's going to be interesting. I assume because I assume someone today or yesterday called in to ask him. He's, he's very anti date, like, single stocks he's all I about have never invested in a single stock because i believe so strongly in dave ramsey yeah until today he's constantly like you're in single stocks you need to be out of it like even the guy somebody will call and be like hey dave like i sold the stock and i made two hundred thousand dollars on it like i'm just wondering like what my next move should be and he'll be like well immediately you need to stop single <laughs> stocks trading you got lucky <laughs> and you should put it in a mutual fund so uh, zach my only thing about this is could this affect retirement? Like no, no, no okay. No, no one's retirement is being affected. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but if that, it if it I breaks, I understand people are trying to throw that. It's going to ruin the whole economy. One, most of the people in this are not retail investors. I have one share. There are people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a South Korean uh, fund sold yesterday. They had five percent of the shares. Those are the people. It. It's really big hedge funds versus small hedge funds. We have nothing to do with it, really, <laughs> other than we're just fun and we're along for a Twitter ride. The, the Twitter, the Robinhood, the Reddit, they have nothing. It's such a small part of this, you know. It's interesting. It, it's, I'm not going to tank anyone's retirement. For that to be true, your retirement would have to be involved in <laughs> GameStop. <laughs> and you would, you, would have to, you would have to have been planning to withdraw all of it today in like to the point that you would die if you did you know what i mean you're only taking out bits and pieces it's gonna stay in there your retirement is unaffected by this foolishness this is foolishness is it affecting the stock market at all i think so but other people could answer that better than me i think the 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 previous the number it started it was at before the started was four dollars correct yes 
So I think it's going to be a long, long, long time before it drops back down to $4. I think even just with the, just like now that it's become kind of like a meme thing to even have this stock, I think it'll, if it, it'll be a long time before it ever gets back down to four. So I think, uh, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm selling the van and getting stocks, all these GameStop <laughs> stocks. I'm getting game stocks. There's no reason to do anything else. Uh, it is the absolute only way to live. You I mean, could you guys, probably. I remember seeing the excitement in your face when we went to Resorts Casino in Atlantic City, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you guys are using some of your patented systems. You guys are in the program. You can't be doing certain vices, but gambling is the one you're allowed to do. So go for it, dude. But every time I gamble, I know I shouldn't be doing it, and I know I need to restrict my money. Like you remember when we left the casino and then we came back to play roulette and we were like we were like put it all on 36 red put it all on 36 red it was a full hundred (laughs) dollars and we went for this safer bet and i think we just put it on black or something it hit 36 red yeah yeah it did hit 36 you know what and i you said put it on 36 red i said don't but then i i I, then i said you know what no do it do it but you know it was too late i did you did say that it was one of those things that like you go, Zach. Oh, it's just one of those things, just like this. Like, before we made the decision, the chances that it worked out were very slim. So we couldn't feel responsible making the decision. But once it had passed, it turned out there was a 100% chance that we were going to make 32 times the money. <laughs> John Paul, was there any I'm... part so of you that, like, you know, you never seen me and Zach really get lose our control, right? Because we're always sober. Because you guys are kings of the sober lifestyle. Yeah. So was it you guys a little can, jarring? You guys can literally swim in 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 uh, in whiskey and not be tempted to even take a take a. Take <laughs> we a wouldn't sip. go underwater. <laughs> yeah. uh, we would only do backstroke. <laughs> were you surprised to see that side of us? Uh, no, no, I wasn't surprised by it at all. I mean, I personally. Gambling does not really usually elicit a big high for me, so I don't. I kind of like to watch other people do it, but it's not a big thing that I normally mm. get into. Do I, do, I've never been that intrigued by the idea of investing in stocks. Like I have a savings, I could put it all in Game Stock, but I haven't done it yet. When over the if you if you're a series pilot subscriber, which you should always be if you're listening to this podcast, you'll remember that over the summer Zach and I did a little show called Till Debt Do Us Part, and on that show. Uh, Tazia's husband, Bill or something, he was a prime example of a guy who played the stock market who definitely shouldn't be doing it. Dude, it's like, it's something like 70, Dave Ramsey uses this all the time. It's like 70% of day traders lose money. Like Nobody beats it. Yeah. You never beat, you know, you have these huge highs where you make all this money, but if you just left the money, you're going to make 7% back. If you try and fool around with it, one day you're going to make 25% and feel like a king, and then you're going to lose your house. <laughs> it's like, it's just not going to work. Bill Bill had like bar, Bill had like taken loans to invest in the stock market. They had like six, they had like $13,000 or $30,000 that had dropped down to like 26. They had lost money. Oh god, painful. All right, let's... I'm trying to invest in weed big time though, as like almost as a savings account. Zach, you, That's a good you're... move. You know what I say? Weed and esports, Zach. Maybe we can team up. 
e sports, that's a good tip, John. Because exactly. e we, me and Zach both know esports is only going to get bigger and bigger. Dude, you know what the, the big thing is with weed is privatized security. Because all these companies, so all these, they can't, they have to invest in like, they can't, they have to do all their money in cash because it's not federally legal yet. So they Biden have Biden might change that safe banking app act. That could be a huge bipartisan win. Ooh, mm. interesting. It, for the weed stuff? Yeah. Good for him. Well, the weed stock has gone up huge in the past year. And it, it, there have been weed stock bubbles. But the thing is, even if it's not legal for even another 10 years, if you're holding stock now and in 10 years it's legal, that's going to be a good investment. Zach, you should probably get into the day trading stuff. I feel like you're smart enough. Well, it's not about smart, right? Because I'm never going to have enough info as them. I'm never going to be early enough. But the reason why I'm start, I now am making money again. So I technically have so much money in savings that it is financially stupid, right? Because once you go over an emergency fund, your savings is losing money because of inflation. So I, and I do have retirement investments, but you can't touch those until 59 and a half. So I should be putting money into stocks that I could cash out in one to two years and make more money than I would in a savings account. So more than 1%. I think that might be weed for me. <laughs> All right, why well, don't we do a I, deep can I suggest that? Can I suggest, well, bef before that, I just want to suggest that uh, in this episode, in because of the times we're living in, in lieu of a meme minute, we just did a money minute. Ooh, a money minute. I love it. Is it possible to invest in people? Like, I'd like to put all my money on Joe Rogan. Can I just... There have been startups about this idea, like for young athletes and stuff. Like, you buy a percentage of their contract or something. I don't know. Well, I'd like to... But Joe Rogan would be a good example of someone you shouldn't invest in because he's worth so much money. That like who you really want to invest in is like Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn is at a lower point, so the potential for growth is higher. Dude, would that make us like a penny stock? Yeah, we'd be a penny stock for yeah, sure. You'd be cool. betting that we'd be hitting it big. That'd be sick. <laughs> we um, could go right. public. We can have an IPO. If we'll you ring. want to invest in us, invest in our Patreon. $5 a month, four high-quality episodes a month. We discuss the pilots of TV shows. Yes. Um, all right, let's do Deepak Chopra moment. Oh, yeah, I love Dick. That we liked about the show. Um, my Deepak Chopra moment is the name of the show. Um, it's funny to say, and it's funny to hear people say it. Yeah, that's a great, great, great one. Um, <laughs> mine is the way that the air looks. I've talked about color correction. I don't know if this was filmed <laughs> on location in Texas. But something about that air just looks like very crisp. Like the way the air looks, it looks like there's a perfect summer breeze. It's not cold, but it's not hot. Everyone's kind of in long sleeve shirts, but nobody has a sweater, which to me is kind of the best temperature. So that's the temperature of the Marfa, Texas setting is my Deepak Chopra moment. That's pretty good. My Deepak Chopra moment was uh, watching the seeing the process of how they made the flyers to distribute for the ritual. They use an actual like printing press to create the flyers to distribute around town, and uh, I liked watching the scenes of the of the young artists distributing the flyers to sort of mostly the the working class population, and it was great. So that's what I liked about the show. 
Yeah. All right. How about a role play? I'd love to do a role play. I, Let's do it. I'd like to be. Uh, I'd like to be Bernie Madoff. Okay. I'd like to be Bernie Sanders. <laughs> okay. And I'll be Dick. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to say, uh, uh, Dick, thank you for coming to visit me here in prison. Bernie, you should be in prison for the rest of your life for what you did to those people. Yeah, sorry I came, Bernie Madoff. I, I, I should have told you earlier that I've been seeing Bernie Sanders, so he would this also is, be This uh, man this has is, a Bernie fetish. This, <laughs> this is very offensive that you're only having sex with men named Bernie. I didn't realize that you guys had such similar voices. Maybe it's that I'm attracted to your voices. I'm not sure that we do have similar voices. I am wondering now if you are basing that based on the racial background of Bernie Madoff, and perhaps it's slightly insensitive. Bernie, don't they have racial sensitivity trainings in jail? I... I'm not in jail, so I wouldn't be privy to those racial sensitivities. Are you, are talking, you, talking, to you. Are you talking to me? <laughs> yes, Bernie. I am talking to you. You know what I'm saying? You, you take my I, boyfriend and then you show up to my prison cell and you want, you want to talk to me about insensitivity? Bernie, well, Bernie, I'm just saying, Bernie, only Bernie. 1%, 1% of Bernies have this voice. So the fact that you are doing this voice makes me think you've linked up with the Aryan Brotherhood and you've become racist in prison after you lived a life of capitalist greed. Bernie? I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> Hit it. Hit it, dick. I thought we were supposed to meet up at the apple orchard to go apple picking. Yeah, well, I was going to have sex with you, Bernie Madoff, but then I saw that you had blood all over you from your son's suicide. And, oh, uh, that shit I'm, is nasty. I I'm ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Hit it. <laughs> Bernie Mac Madoff is here. <laughs> oh, my God. I love the idea of a show called Three Bernies. And it's Bernie <laughs> Bernie Mac and Bernie Madoff are roommates. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. Um, all right. Why don't we do a... Uh, yeah. So, thank you. That's it. Uh, thank you for well, listening. No, well, I'm going to give my final thoughts on the show. Uh, oh, yeah. This, yeah. Well. Uh, I'm going to give... I'm going to give I Love Dick a six. I thought it was artfully created. Um, I thought the period blood scene was realistic. But in, uh, in Toto, it was uh, kind of boring. Yeah, I yeah. give it a 4.9. It was okay, but I can tell if I watched the whole thing, I might appreciate it. I liked some of the themes. Yeah, this sure was a three. I'm not into it. It was not interesting. Good night, America. Good night, Uri. I love dick. 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 I love dick.